0: As I mentioned at the top of the hour, Sunday, uh, May 28th, 2023, is the Feast of Pentecost. It is that magnificent feast when Christians commemorate the descent of the Holy Spirit upon the apostles who had gathered around the Mother of the Lord. It is celebrated on the 50th and final day of the Easter season. And we could dedicate entire weeks to studying the, the beautiful story of Pentecost, but it, it is expressed so well. Uh, by Acts 114, that says that the eleven remaining apostles returned to Jerusalem after the ascension of Jerusalem, of Jesus into heaven, the ascension of Christ into heaven, and Acts 114 says, "All these, with one accord, devoted themselves to prayer, together with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus, uh, and with his brethren. During this time, the apostles chose a replacement for Judas Iscariot. And then, of course, after nine days of prayer, the Holy Spirit descended upon the disciples. They heard a sound like a mighty wind, and tongues as of fire were resting on their heads. And we we have this incredible reading uh, this Sunday. We thought it would be a a great idea to discuss Pentecost, but to do it in, in a very fun way And that is by having us joined by Peggy Stanton, who is the author from The White House to the White Cross. She's a dame of the Order of Malta. She was ABC News' first female Washington correspondent. She's hosted many programs on Ave Maria Radio, including the Malta Minute with the Catechism. Her first book was The Daniel Dilemma, The Moral Man in the Public Arena. And her newest book is The Order of Malta, Minutes with the Catechism. Peggy, I am delighted to be able to spend some time with you this afternoon.
1: Thank you, Matthew. I've uh, been an admirer of you on uh, television and radio, and uh, I love the National Catholic Register, so I'm glad to be able to tell you that in person.
0: Well, thank you for for the plugs, and thank you uh, (laughs) for for being here. I, I, I have been looking forward to talking with you. Uh, and I want to start before we go to Pentecost, not that that's unimportant, mm-hmm. but I want to start with just a, a brief reflection, especially on your book, From the White House to the White Cross, because I think it's important for people to understand your length of service uh, and your transformation, uh, and then how you came to where you are today.
1: Well, that that's true. Uh, when I was in the world of uh, uh, news and politics and so forth i was I was a Catholic, uh, but uh, in the pew, as I have said, but not of the pew very much i mean i I did everything that on paper and in appearance that seemed to be a good Catholic, but being a disciple was not part of my life, and uh, when I made my first pilgrimage ever. Uh, to Medjugorje, it just simply talk about the Holy Spirit (laughs) grabbed hold of me and absolutely changed the whole perspective and scope of my life.
0: And you are a dame of the Order of Malta. Uh, For those who may not be that familiar with the Order and its important work, uh, what is that Order?
1: Well, the Order of Malta goes back, uh, Matthew, uh, almost a thousand years. It is the oldest lay religious order in the church, and its ha- primary focus is on s- helping the sick and the poor, defense of the faith, and the fostering of world peace.
0: Yeah, but what was it like to be ABC News's first female Washington correspondent? Because that was mm-hmm. a, a very different era, wasn't it? It
1: was. It certainly was. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know it it was um frustrating and yet uh, uh fun in a way uh frustrating in the sense that sometimes because you are a woman and there were so few women, particularly I was very young in my twenties um that 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 uh, you became almost as much the story as the story you were trying to cover. You know, who is that woman and <laughs> that <laughs> right. that that girl? <laughs> uh, but um, it, it was a, it was a very different era in the in the sense that uh, we were trained very carefully to get both sides of the story, which does not happen today, as you know.
0: Indeed. Yeah, and and you've lived through, you've covered uh, some pretty monumental events, I know, from the RFK assassination, to Watergate, to the Balkan Wars, to the time of uh, George H.W. Bush. If you were to characterize uh, the biggest single change uh, in journalism, especially television journalism, what would it be?
1: It would be that um, that they're no longer correspondents, they're commentators. Mm -hmm. I mean... Uh, that's not quite fair, there are people, particularly those who are out in the field uh war correspondents. Uh, I think they try hard to cover the story as is most of the time but uh the the fact of uh reporters and correspondents interviewing each other is is something we never did <laughs> I mean you the, 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 um, what frustrates me is when I see the newsmaker gets about uh, five seconds if he's lucky, and uh, the commentators the correspondents do all the interpreting of what he said it's not a, it's a very much of a disservice to the American people
0: yeah is it uh, a product of what we 're turning out in journalism schools is it a product of corporate media or is it sort of everything together.
1: I think I think it's probably all of the above but I also th- uh, it's occurred to me that if we didn't have 24-hour news it was kind of a cheap way to cover a story and rather than sending people out on uh, you know umpteen different stories they could cover a handful of stories and then have people sit in the studios commenting on those stories.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> What was your favorite story to cover throughout your career?
1: Ooh, wow. I think Our Lord. <laughs> no, really? That's, that's a big that's a big beat. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, You know, I mean, if it was intimidating to cover the President of the United States, it's really intimidating to cover the creator of the universe.
0: I'm impressed that you actually jumped from the President of the United States straight to our Lord. You you sort of bypassed the Pope entirely.
1: (laughs) That's right. Oh, well, he's only the vicar. (laughs) If you could get to the top guy, Matthew, you know, you always would, right? Right. (laughs) No, when I say that... um, you know, everybody tends to, uh, not everyone, but people tend to focus on that first part of the book because, you know, it's got Fidel Castro and Salvador Dali. I must say he was a hoot to cover. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, you know, the, uh, and RFK and the president and so forth. But the really, when people get to the second part and they will say to me the most riveting part of the book, is is when you go to medjugorje and god transforms your life and um you know the war stories this covering the war the balkan war was really something you know i never ever when i was with abc i was (laughs) praying i would not be sent to vietnam (laughs) I i had no desire to be a war correspondent but i went four times. Really, they were rescue missions, but I made video documentaries of every time I went. Uh, four to- I went four times during the war. And um, it, the, that's where I really saw miracles, Matthew. I mean, uh, uh, we, were, we should have been killed on some of these things, but but clearly the Lord was, was right there at our side.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, one pressing question before we move on to the uh, the beauty of the Holy Spirit is uh, when you interviewed Salvador Dali, did he have his anteater with him?
1: I don't think I knew his ant. <laughs> <What laughs> yes, he had
0: a, he had a pet anteater that he would take for walks apparently, so. Oh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but what he what he I don't know if you uh you I'm sure you didn't have time to read that chapter, but it is a very it, it first appeared in the front page of the style section of the Washington Post, Um, it it was so funny. I described what his apartment looked like. I mean, you know, there were... (laughs) 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 <laughs> yes <laughs> uh there were um birds uh in in stone and all kinds of uh paraphernalia at his place that were quite unusual <laughs> and then he he tried to tell the embassy tell the congressman uh that where I am not as bizarre as I seem. <laughs>
0: And you concluded you might be even more strange. Than, yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> exactly. You got it.
0: <laughs> so in your work with the Order of Malta, and I, I want to jump to this uh, very intriguing book uh, that's published by Marian Press. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the Order of Malta, and which is – I notice that it's on your cover. You have both the title of the Order of Malta but also the beautiful symbol of the Maltese cross for the order. Mm-hmm. And it says, Minutes with the Catechism, a Pocket Guide to the Catechism of the Catholic Church. In terms of uh, the spirituality of the order, because that's uh, something that is sometimes not really publicly or, or often right. discussed, right. Uh, that there is such a thing. And what are some of the expectations of the order in terms of that?
1: Well, we are expected uh, to, to, uh, as I said, pursue uh, helping and taking care of the sick and the poor. For instance, yes. uh, one of the biggest things we do uh, is every year, uh, was cut sh- cut out for a couple of years by COVID, but every year um, we have a charter plane that takes malads or sick people to Lourdes, and we, we uh, take care of them. We, the knights and dames, take care of them 24-7. Uh, the whole time we're there, we take them to the baths, we take them to services, we take them to dinner, we take them... Uh, whatever medical needs they have. Uh, and, and I think that's the place where the order shines the most. And Cardinal Dolan, who's our principal chaplain, says that. But um, we, we also have retreats, and we're expected to make at least one a year. And we, uh, we have prayer services. For instance, here in Michigan, we meet once a month and uh on first Saturday, and we do lexio Divina uh looking ahead to the actually is it helped give me the idea that this is what al and I should do look ahead to the sunday gospel and and probe it and discuss it uh, so that when Sunday rolls around and you hear it during mass, it really penetrates um and and so the spirituality, we, we really try, um, and our, our president, uh, Peter Kelly, uh, stresses that, is yeah. that we need to focus as much as possible on the spirituality.
0: Understood. Well, well Peggy, let's pick this up on the other side of the break. Okay. I'm mm-hmm. talking with Peggy Stanton, author of a new book, The Order of Malted Minutes with the Catechism, and we're talking about Pentecost. This is Krista in the afternoon. I'm Matthew Bunsen, filling in for Al. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Crest in the Afternoon. I'm Matthew Bunsen, filling in for Al today. Continuing my conversation with Peggy Stanton, author of From the White House to the White Cross, and her new book, The Order of Malta Minutes with the Catechism, a pocket guide to the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And we're going to be focusing on Pentecost, which is, of course, this Sunday. So, Peggy, let's start with your book a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, It's a very lovely distillation of the catechism of the Catholic Church. And, of course, you organize it by the the four great pillars of the catechism, of the profession of faith, the celebration Mm -hmm. of the Christian mystery, the life of Christ, uh, and then, of course, Christian prayer. So what uh, first is is sort of the the, the guiding principle that you were trying to accomplish with this?
1: Well, uh, you know, when I initially started writing these, this is where I think the Holy Spirit, if if they're any good at all, it's because of the Holy Spirit. Because I started doing it not with a book, not with broadcasting in mind. Um, I had been pushing the Order of Malta, let's do something with the Catechism. And I wasn't getting it anywhere at the moment, <laughs> and uh, so I started reading it from beginning to end and i but I felt kind of called to do it. Uh, it wasn't necessarily you know that Peggy's so admirable she was going to read the <laughs> <laughs> take on that big book. but I did feel so every morning, I would go up and I would uh, read a section uh, a subject. And then I would write notes to, uh, that I felt distilled the most important points in a in a um, in a page, and uh, so what what has uh, come from that is these broadcasts that I've been doing, believe it or not, for the last ten years, called the Order of Malta Minute with the Catechism. In fact, it's been on. EWTN and Ave Maria all that time and uh-huh. people would ask for a copy of the script and of course we didn't know what they're hearing in California or Oregon <laughs> or Mission, Mich- <Right>. you know <laughs> so so um, and but but it made a dent that obviously people had a hunger for the catechism and um, The irony is, uh, Matthew, is that when when we timed out those things I'd been writing every morning, as I said, they were not originally meant for anything but myself. They timed out precisely between 50 and 60 seconds without any intention. So somebody upstairs, I think, had... (laughs) (laughs) was using my pencil.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, well that old sports adage, it is better to be lucky than good, but in this case I think it was probably both.
1: (laughs) But also another interesting thing is, is the fact that you know, these two books from the White House to the White Cross and the Order of Malta Minutes with the Catechism I never intended to publish two books in the same year but one led to the other. If I hadn't uh experienced the conversion and from the white house to the white cross I would not have written the minutes with the catechism and guess what look the the real white cross is the white cross of the order of malta
0: yes exactly because I
1: had been thinking about the white cross on top of mount kreševac in Medjugorje, but
0: mm-hmm.
1: which led to this <laughs>
0: Well, as, as I've mentioned a couple of times, uh, Sunday is Pentecost, right. and it is uh, one of my favorite uh, feasts of, of I
1: love it, yeah. the
0: liturgical year. Uh, but this is also uh, one of the reasons that I like it so much is because uh, I've always thought that pneumatology, the, the, the reflections on the Holy Spirit— mm-hmm. Uh, has been somewhat neglected, uh, mm-hmm. certainly in modern times, or right. in, in some cases, as we're seeing with uh, like the German synodal way, yeah. uh, horribly abused uh, as oh. to the, the role of the Holy Spirit. So I appreciate I the fact an, that... Uh, go ahead.
1: Yeah, I was just going to say, I think another spirit has gotten involved. There.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think there are a lot of people in Germany who would probably be agreeing with you at this point. <laughs> uh, but when we're talking about the Holy Spirit, the third person of... Most Blessed Trinity. Mm. Mm -hmm. God the Father is the first person. God the Son, our Lord, is the second Mm -hmm. person, Holy Trinity. But one of the things in in your book that you really focus on uh, are all of the passages in the Catechism on the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I think this is a nice little opportunity to reflect on some of those. and, And for example, on the visible signs of the Holy Spirit, you pull together elements of paragraphs like 687 to 690 from the Catechism.
1: Right, right. Well, uh, he's evident in our church in so many ways, and uh, the Catechism points out, and that's through the scriptures that he inspired, through tradition, and in the church's magisterium, which he assists, in the church's sacramental liturgy, in prayer where he intercedes for us in the church's charisms and ministries, in the signs of her apostolic and ministerial life, in the witness of the saints. Wow, huh? (laughs) (laughs) And it says the Holy Spirit is the spirit, uh, the catechism says, of the Son and is truly God, consubstantial with the Father and the Son, inseparable from them in both the inner life of the Trinity and his gift of love. For the world, Uh, and and then goes on to say that the sun and the spirit. I hadn't really thought of this until that they have a joint mission. The sun is the visible image of the invisible God, but it is the spirit who reveals Him. Um, And and you know he's. we always are used to hearing him talk about um, as being the Spirit of God and the Spirit of Christ, but um, we haven't thought of him... I hadn't really thought of him that much as the breath of God, which is it pointed out in the Catechism.
0: Yeah, well, exactly. And, and the the imagery, the symbols, the titles of mm. the Holy Spirit, we could spend a lifetime reflecting yeah. on them. But But one of the quotes from the Catechism that... Uh, that this joint mission, uh, to pick mm-hmm. up on something you were just talking about, mm-hmm. as the Catechism says, is, is manifested in the children adopted by the Father in the body of his Son. The mission of the spirit of adoption is to unite them to Christ and to make them live in him.
1: Mm-hmm. This, this
0: constant recourse to this beautiful imagery of having an advocate of, of one who helps us live, the mm-hmm. spirit of God, that the breath uh, that descends. And then we have mm-hmm. the, the powerful symbols, of course, uh, of the Holy Spirit, Mm -hmm. along with his names that you document, too.
1: Right, right. There are so many symbols. Um, Anointing is a a synonym of the Holy Spirit, and and its full force, the Catechism says, can be grasped only in relation to the primary anointing accomplished by the Holy Spirit, and that's, of course, of Jesus. Uh, messiah in hebrew the catechism points out means the one anointed by god's spirit then you have uh... another symbol is fire and the catechism says well a water signifies birth in the fruitfulness of life given in the holy spirit fire symbolizes the transforming energy i like that the transforming energy of the holy spirit's action and the holy spirit transforms what he touches i think you know made me think of of often people come back from pilgrimage and they really are transformed and and i guess i hadn't given all the credit to the holy (laughs) spirit
0: (laughs) well and and in the imagery uh in particular on pentecost uh, we have that of fire Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, when we go to, for example, the, the Latin, the, the Vulgate, uh, et cum cum dies Pentecostes, mm-hmm. uh, the, it, and with the completion of the day of Pentecost or the coming of the day of Pentecost, and we have this descent of the Holy Spirit, but mm-hmm. the, the power of the imagery. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we see in the Catechism, and we go to paragraph 731, 732, where it talks about mm-hmm. on the day of Pentecost, when the seven weeks of Easter had come to an end, uh, Christ's Passover is filled out in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And I love the phrase, manifested, given, and communicated as a divine person.
1: Mm-hmm. hmm um, Interestingly, uh, on uh, Apparition Hill in Medjugorje, one time th- the residents all witnessed there was a fire on the mountain. and they were stunned. What, what's happening up there? And so, all this. Then the fire was gone, and they walked up there to see what happened. There was no trace of a fire. There was nothing. No ashes. No anything. And um, I must say, I've always been wondered because allegedly the Blessed Mother has said that there will be a permanent sign on the hill and uh, I've often wondered if it would be a fire that never goes out who could yeah. but oh. the cloud and light is another image that um, that occur together in the manifestations of the Holy Spirit the Catechism says and in I like this in the theophanies of the Old Testament the cloud now obscure now luminous reveals the living and saving God while at the same time veiling the transcendence of his glory. Um, in in the research I did today, it uh, reminded me that um, the Holy Spirit, uh, the likeness of God, is his glory. You know, we say we, we are made in the image and likeness of God. And the, the Catechism points out... We, we don't lose the image of God, but we do lose the likeness by sin.
0: That's right. Yeah, and, and other images, uh, the seal, the hand, the finger that you mm-hmm. note. Uh, right. And, of course, the one that's probably most familiar, uh, certainly in art uh, and in the imagery that we mm-hmm. see, is, is of the dove.
1: The dove, yeah, yeah. At the end of the flood, of course, I, I think people are, a lot of people are familiar with that, um, And and the symbolism, of course, of the flood was baptism. And uh, a dove is released by Noah and then uh, returns with a fresh olive tree branch in its beak as a sign that the earth was again habitable. When Christ comes up from the water of his baptism, the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove comes down upon him and remains with him. And the Holy Spirit comes down and remains in the purified hearts of the baptized. So I I noticed that I, I kind of thought of uh, there was a stress on purified hearts. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: and you also uh, focus uh, in your book on, on the Order of Malta again, minutes with the Catechism, mm-hmm. on the obviously the Church and mm-hmm. the. The paragraph 748 to 750 from the Catechism on the Second Vatican Council and its very clear language uh, of Christ, but also the holiness of the Church is derived, is from the source of all holiness, the Holy Spirit. And it's the, the, the giver of all holiness. And it, the way that the Catechism says that the Church is where the Spirit flourishes. And it's a phrase mm-hmm. that sometimes, yeah. certainly in the post conciliar era, was much uh, misinterpreted or even mm-hmm. abused but i think an authentic understanding of it uh is really important for us as, as catholics.
1: Mhm. Well, I, I he flourishes because of of all the, um, the gifts he gives and the the you know we talked about how he's present in all the i i think i counted eight different ways he's present, you know, in uh, through the scriptures and tradition, et cetera. And then the gifts that he gives, and the evidence of pace, kindness, patience, kindness, goodness. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> We're out all of thi- time. <laughs> all, things,
0: all things we need, however. Well, yeah. Peggy, thank you so much. It's uh, been a lot of fun talking with you, and I hope we can do it again sometime.
1: I hope so, Matthew. Thank you very much.
0: All right, Peggy Stanton with The Order of Malta, Minutes with the Catechism. When we come back, I have a few closing thoughts for this hour on Cresta in the Afternoon.